That is new. That is new. Hey, <laughs> hopefully that's not on the recording. <laughs> Fix it in post. I mean, yeah, that'd be a nice way to tell where I am. Anyway, hey, welcome to the show, Moviecation. I'm Brady. I'm Cole. I'm Joe. <laughs> well, well, it, it worked. It worked this time. What's up, guys? How, how's Hello. your week been? Uh, from from my Cole perspective, it's been all right. I did I did Legos of Friends. Uh, <laughs> I showed it off to the guys. Uh, not from my perspective of Joe. Very nice. <laughs> Go ahead, Cole. Well, I didn't mean to ruin your phone, buddy. Yeah, for me, <laughs> from my Joe perspective, oh, you know, I did band stuff with my band. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Is that wrong? <laughs> but from me personally, I just, dude, I just worked all week. Literally all I did. Yeah, I, I feel like band practice is just sitting around sharing memes. <laughs> it, it can be until I say, shut the hell up, let's go. And my <laughs> drummer has his sticks in the air like, are we starting? Are we starting? Finally. <laughs> yeah, he's like, come on, come on. But no, oh, it's I mean, good that you guys are getting back out there and touring and shit like that. That's cool as hell. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, like, we kind of have to because if if we continue to wait, then we're just going to miss all the bookings, and then we're going to be shut out of luck. So, yeah, and it um, it does seem like a lot of bands are starting that whole process again because and sticking locally too. Um, at yeah. least for their first few shows, I noticed like. Uh, I'm fi- I finally got a refund on my Def Heaven tour from last year mm-hmm. from Ticketmaster because Ticketmaster pulled that whole shady business of right as soon as all the refunds started, they were like, well, if it is postponed as opposed to canceled, we can't do anything about that. We can't issue, you can't even apply for a refund or anything. So I've been sitting on $63 for a Def Heaven tour for a full year now. And then Deaf Heaven announced like three shows in California around where they live. Mm-hmm. And their people were like, oh, does this mean the tour is going to start back up? And their label was like, that show is canceled. You really need to talk to your ticket provider as far as, you know, uh, getting a refund. Right. And like I was I commented on and I was just like, hey, can you guys like make the official announcement? Because Ticketmaster won't release the tickets or won't release the refunds unless you guys officially say it's canceled. And so, like, literally a day later, I get an email event canceled. It's like, all right, I mean, it sucks, but I got 63 bucks back, yeah, which I'm yeah. probably going to go pour into Def Heaven tickets when they start touring again. They, they announced the uh, the Lamb of God Mega Death Tour, like the new dates and everything. Yeah, and they cor- didn't even, cor- they're not even coming to Atlanta. Corpus was on it like in the early on, and like ours was like the 18th, like August 18th or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And then they cancel those dates, and it starts like August 22nd, the tour. So they canceled our date. And I'm so bummed because that lineup was like ideal for me. Like, I love Lamb of God, I love, I love Megadeth, but it had Trivium on there, and I hadn't seen Trivium in years. And man, I fucking Ooh. love Trivium, but it had, it had Trivium, it had a um, in flames which i haven't seen in flames in quite some time either and i was like fuck man 
Trivium did Silence sh- in the Snow, right? Yeah. Well, I'm so. pretty sure I saw it in Flames in high school. Same. At like a festival. Those um, probably sounds in the underground. No, did it, this was like a local. Cole will know this radio station, Project 961. Yeah. Okay, so it was it was literally Atlanta's only rock station for a long, long time. Uh-huh. And then they now call we don't, they, they call it now the it's uh yeah now it's Power Nine Six One and it's a pop station. Fun. Um, our we only have two rock stations anymore, and that's Rock One Hundred Point Five, and their definition of rock is Foo can, Fighters, can, which is okay. okay. Can can I guess? It's a rotation of Foo Fighters, Metallica, um. Bad Wolves, Zombie, that song only, and Five Finger Metallic, Death Punch. Um, Five Finger Death Punch. No, not even, not even. Really? I'm talking like rock. When they say rock, they mean like Imagine Dragons, Black Keys, those. Oh, God, no, man. Yeah, Imagine Dragons is good, though. See, but it's have... not rock. See, the thing station. about yeah. Project 961, played, they played Slipknot. They played, obviously, it was Volume 3 stuff. Um mm-hmm. They played Metallica, Slayer, things like that. Like every 420, I remember every, four, every 420 at 420, they would play Hits from the Bong by Cypress Hill. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But so they we, did this like local festival and, and Flames was on it with like Shine Down and Five Finger Death Punch and shit like that. I, I went for Shine Down. It was when Five Finger Death Punch was somewhat decent still. So it was a pretty cool show to see, especially like because little kids were getting up on stage with them and that was kind of cool to see like these little like no more than like five-year-olds were jumping yeah. on stage with five finger death punch honestly I'll, I'll admit their first two albums are good and i was in high school when they came out so i was like hey these are, these are banging and they got to the third album i was like wait a minute third this album sounds- went very dad dad metal on it but like it was like, you know how like everyone always says, like, you know, <coughs> your favorite band, oh, I wish they make another album, like their top album. I wish they make another one of that. It's like they got the I wish they make like, another Iowa kind of deal. Yeah, they're like, hey, they like that album. Let's run with it. And they just kept making the same shit over and over again. Apparently, I just oh, go ahead. And it's just like it's just so recycled to me, and I hate it. Like, especially the lyrics. Like the lyrics are so like cliche and they did go from like they did go from like really good lyrics to like tactical bro lyrics like it was it was a very much but they know what the fans want because apparently they're going to go in the studio and re-record and remaster uh way of the fist yeah and i'm like all right i might check that out i'll check that one out a newer like like, updated version maybe some b tracks that we didn't hear before or something that's funny because that album got like re-released quite a uh, like a handful of times before they even got big. Yeah, because it was like their like almost demo when they were shopping around for a label. Yeah, when they're they shopping just, around, they just kept putting it out, putting it out again. But, uh, but yeah, um, Code Orange announced the show too, and again, it's in their local area, but they didn't mm-hmm. cancel their tour yet, so I'm still waiting on that refund. <laughs> Which I'm cool if they cancel that tour, but also if they don't cancel it too, I'll still get a refund. Cause like for me, Code Orange is one of those bands, like their first two albums are really good. And then they, this third album was trying to be super industrial metal and just doesn't work out well. Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, uh, what'd you guys watch today or this week, I should say, other than the obvious two? Uh, anything else? 
I watched Jackie Brown, and I can't remember what else I watched. What did I? Did I watch any? Uh, I watched the new episode of The Bad Batch today. I'm behind, man. I need to watch the... Dude, yeah. I'm still just... I was listening to that Fat Man and Beyond last week, and I heard how it just the opening of the first episode goes, where they show the clone wars logo and then like burn it out and put bad batch on it instead i think that's cool i kind of i'm kind of like maybe i should check out the show but i'm also afraid that i'm not going to know exactly what's going on because i haven't seen any of the clone wars or anything like that you should be fine they explained it pretty well in the first episode uh the first episode's been the best one so far i've been disappointed with every single episode since and today not to spoil it for Joe, but today, you know, the new episode, it started out and they bring in this character and I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be a good episode. No, it's just more adventures and babysitting. Is that like what Disney's doing with Star Wars now? I mean, first you got Mandalorian, the first two seasons were babysitting. (sighs) That is a good point. I didn't even think about that. Except that was Um, good. This is just... I swear, if Omega doesn't turn out to be a clone of Palpatine, but just throw the whole thing away. She is a clone of a Jedi. She looks like Palpatine, dude. She looks She's like a, a clone. She's you a clone look, of I, a... I heard a theory eyes. that... I heard a theory that she's a clone of Palpatine. She is a Force-sensitive She clone. looks like a female Palpatine, and if that's not the direction they're going, then I don't want it. Yeah, that's what I say. You know, I, I say Jedi, but just because I refer to Jedi, but yeah, she's... I think she is a force sensitive clone. And I think How would that Palpatine work? Had, you take a force sensitive person and you clone them. Yeah, but they establish <laughs> Brady, we have time travel but, in Star Wars. There's no point. I know, but didn't they it. establish in uh um clone in, in the Clone Wars the <laughs> the trilo- of the trilogy, not like the uh, offshoot stuff, but of the prequel trilogy didn't they establish that it was all from boba fett's dna type shit going on and that's what they made the clones out of yeah jango fett yes jango fett jango fett so they could he's not sensitive no but they could have gotten a uh, a sample of palpatine so are these supposed to be like different clones from the jango fett batch you think is that what you're thinking or are you just thinking that like they just decided to clone palpatine just to clone palpatine I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not too sure how to, which way they're going with it because she looks kind of like, like a like your standard clone. But like Cole says, you know, she, in the she, eyes, it looks a little different, and a little in the face and like the cheeks and whatnot. It looks she looks like Palpatine. That's all I'm just saying. It's it's just a force sensitive clone at this point. But as far as the specifics into who they use, so some metaphorians sure just. Kind of happen to drop into the little vial. Well, we got twelve. We got twelve episodes <laughs> left, so it's yeah. We'll figure it out when we get there. Twelve <sighs> episodes of babysitting. <clears throat> I've been catching up on the uh, the uh, Mighty Ducks TV series. Quack quack quack. That they did been doing. Um, it's honestly a pretty good show. There, uh, like two or three episodes ago, they had like they finally brought in um, the. Not the full original cast, but like five members of the original casts. Um, the whole like plot of that episode was the whole like plot of the show when it comes to the ducks themselves is very interesting. It's like 
in their little area of Minnesota, they're the most like sought after little league team for hockey mm-hmm. because because of you know not necessarily the movies but the legacy of the Mighty Ducks because of what Gordon Bombay did with the team and all that like and Charlie Conway and all that stuff and now they've become like this pretentious like hockey team with like boosters and club stuff like that you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, like overzealous parents that like want to do everything for their kids kind of deal and shit like that um, so in this one episode they were having like a, a ducks heritage night or something like that where they were celebrating people like Charlie Conway and you know, Fulton Reed and all those guys um, but Gordon Bombay was not invited and the duck the original ducks were like oh he just doesn't want to deal with this stuff anymore that's what they that's what how he put it himself to gordon put it himself was like oh i just i'm done that part of my life is over i don't want to deal with it anymore and then they find out that he wasn't invited because one of the main characters told him that he wasn't invited so they crash the party and have this whole big speech about how the ducks would not be where they are today if it wasn't for Gordon Bombay and like, cause they were going to give the current coach like a honorary award or something like that. They literally yeah. snatched the trophy out of this dude's hand and gave it to Gordon Bombay. He's like, like cause you would not be here. here. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> would not be here if it wasn't for him. And like, I'm over there crying. I can't see the damn screen. Cause I'm like, the ducks are back quack. <laughs> I'm losing my shit. And then, and then to top it all off, to top it all off, they put them in the green jerseys, the classic green jerseys. Oh yeah. And have them skate with the new, the new batch of kids that are, they're called the don't bothers. Cause that's what the coach said. Uh, when he fired this one kid from the team who's like, don't bother coming back or something like that, mm-hmm. or don't bother about thinking you're going to be in the NHL or something like that. So like they came out, they were in the classic green jerseys and all this. And like, they skated around with them and even got Emilio Estevez in the Jersey too. And I was like, this is a damn good episode. Um, other than that. And then like now Gordon Bobby is kind of taking over like coaching duties. Finally, mm-hmm. it took him like, half the season to get there i think it's only 10 episodes around like episode eight or nine now well they're only um, give yeah, it to you I right think, away man you gotta build it up some yeah, yeah. i think it's nine because I saw, I saw a thing for it when i was on disney plus earlier but yeah now he's doing like his old tricks of like let's play pond hockey because there's no barriers out here so you're just gonna get fucked up if you're gonna get fucked up you know so like you gotta learn how to get fucked up in order to be a good hockey player so it was it's a it's it's definitely like if I had a kid who was young and like I was like, hey man, I grew up on these movies myself. I think you'll enjoy you'd enjoy them too. Mm-hmm. It'd be a fun like show to watch with a kid, but they also do enough with the classic part of it, like obviously having Emilio Estevez in it, but then putting that one episode of the old cast in it too. And just like the feeling of it itself is just enough for like a fan and people our age that were fans of that, of the, at least the first two movies, not necessarily the third one, but at least the first two to be like, yeah, this, this Disney's doing good about this. The third one was when they went to Seton Hall, right? Yeah. It was like the college one and Charlie yeah. became an asshole and yeah. all this. And they're still kind of doing that too. Like Charlie and Gordon Bombay don't talk to each other at all in the show. Like they've mentioned Charlie like twice mm-hmm. 
and it was just like we had a falling out and charlie doesn't talk to me anymore kind of deal part two was my favorite facing uh iceland yeah oh dude yes the like the so kid good. olympics or whatever yeah it was. the junior the junior olympics so good that's so such edgy, a- <laughs> so edgy with iceland but the but the fucking the funniest part to that whole movie to me though is when they beat Iceland in the um no that's not even in part two that's in part three where like uh they walk up to like uh um Keenan Thompson's character goes you gotta teach me how to do your triple deke or something like that and it's like as a hockey person a hockey fan I'm like it's literally the simplest if you can deke you know how to triple deke like it's literally the simplest thing in the world to do exactly <laughs> but yeah it's it's a good show uh it'll be interesting to see how it ends because i i don't see where because if they do do like a season two and onward they're gonna have to eventually bring in like in my opinion gonna have to eventually bring in charlie conway and things like that mm-hmm. he owns the setting of the show like where the kids play where they practice and stuff is the shop that the old dude owned. Hans? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's very neat. So, but the, it's more of like the ice ring setting of it instead of the shop setting. Yeah. Just the back, the back room of it. Yeah. Have you, watched, have you watched Cobra Kai? Dude, yes. Loved it. It was good. Yeah. What, what is it? Three Kai? seasons now? Yeah, it's three seasons now. Yeah, I never saw it. Have you ever seen any of the Karate Kid movies? I saw the first one a long time ago in a hotel room, but I and I I think I saw most of it. I don't know if I saw the full thing, but I've I've been meaning to like watch it and get into Cobra Kai because I hear it's super good. It's really, it's it's in a way like a really good redemption story for Johnny. Cobra Kai is, and it it's very interesting to see that the roles have kind of, like Johnny's still an asshole in the show he was the antagonist in the first movie he right? was the bl- yeah he the bully, bully. The, the blonde dude yeah okay yeah so now they flip the roles where daniel's the bully and you know they're, they're in their like 50s by now and daniel's That's... being an asshole bully and johnny lawrence is the one who's kind of like trying to turn his life around and shit like that and it doesn't go as co- like honestly watch karate kid one and karate kid two and then binge watch those three seasons there it's I think they're no more than 30 minutes to an hour each on Netflix and it's very fun and easy to watch that sounds super interesting yeah I might check that out because there's like a there's like this whole scene spoiler but there's like this whole scene where Johnny walks into um LaRusso's like car dealership car dealership because now he like owns like four or five car dealerships around california and his whole thing is you buy a car you get a bonsai tree with it because um, he cool. puts he puts uh <laughs> he integrates miyagi's like teachings into his life a lot right um and uh the reason the two like the two characters meet up again after so many years is because uh larusso's kid slams into johnny lawrence's car oh (laughs) so that's how they do like the chance meeting or whatever um and uh there's like a scene where larusso's like trying to impress like i think one of them's his cousin one of them's just another employee he goes they were like hey danny uh 
isn't this who you go, you know, you beat in the karate championship? Because they're all New Jersey guys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> I kicked his ass. And I was like, oh, come on. Like, he could have just left with, yeah, it was, it's all times. And he goes, but then let's be real with this. I kicked his ass. And I was like, oh, damn it. Like, you had I mean, to do it like that. Hit him with the crane, man. Oh, illegal do. kick, though. They even it's it's been figured out that it's an illegal kick. It, they even had Johnny Lawrence go, yeah, with an illegal kick. And I was like, yes, <laughs> finally, after all these years, <laughs> justice for Johnny. I need to go back and watch the Karate Kid, man. It's such a good movie. It's been so long since I've seen the movie. So the reason I say watch the first two when, and then go watch that show is because season one and two are very much a continuation of one. And then season two, which became the second full-length like Netflix season one was YouTube Red, and then yeah. they moved it over to Netflix. So when season two or season three happened, they took uh uh Daniel LaRusso and put him back in Japan. And in Karate Kid 2 is where Miyagi took him to Japan. And that's that- one of the that may have been the one I saw because I remember, I think I remember them being in Japan. So it may have been that, that may be the one I saw. Yeah. And they did the very like classic eighties, like movie trope thing of showing the ending of the previous film again, like in full. Cause I'm pretty sure they show like half the fucking fight from the first movie before the second movie actually starts. Didn't Miyagi have a daughter or something in that second one while they were in Japan? I seem to remember he didn't have a daughter but there was like a female character that daniel kind of falls in love with and yes she's in season three okay then yeah the second one is what i saw okay i need to check check also also again doing the whole arc of taking the the bad guy and redeeming him kind of deal in karate kid 2 he fights that the the, like the Asian bully who like literally came in and destroyed like Miyagi's place and stuff like that and almost killed him a few times. That's right. Yeah, I remember that guy now. Daniel Chosen was his name. So in Karate Kid or in Cobra Kai season three, him and Chosen meet up again and Chosen actually trains him more than what Miyagi was able to train him before he passed away. And like... So what did he teach him like car wash and... No, no, not even that like because there was like it was like <laughs> but it was very much like but daniel larusso teaches his kids that type of karate still uh-huh. like he has his own dojo and it's in the back of his house he's no sorry not the back of his house his dojo is miyagi's old house oh that's so cool that's so awesome. you get the yellow car that he gave larusso for his birthday constantly clean birthday uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's clean well it was clean or no they didn't have it clean because Spoiler, Johnny Lawrence's kid decides to join the Russo's karate teachings instead of going with Johnny. So now Johnny Lawrence's kid is getting trained in the ways of Miyagi karate. And so he naturally follows LaRusso's path of, oh, this is a cool car. Let me wash it for you. Then LaRusso's like, hey, let's take it for a drive. Like, yeah, uh, it's a really good show, though. Uh, but I would say the Mighty Ducks show kind of gives me that type of Cobra Kai vibe. I can see where you're going with that. Speaking of um, of car dealerships, um, I know I know Brady, you're kind of into sports, and Cole, I'm not too sure what your nature uh, extension on sports are. I'm guessing no. He plays Quidditch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, hockey but, and Quidditch. There you go. But did y'all hear about uh, 
the Toronto super fan getting inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame and being the first fan to ever be inducted. So the there's a there's one guy. His name is uh, oh, let, me, let me make sure I, I say it right. It's Nav um, Batia, and uh, he's he's known as the Toronto Raptors super fan because he's from uh, you know he's he's based up there in, in Toronto, but he's the first um, he's the first fan to be inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame, but he owned four car dealerships uh, like throughout his area. Mm-hmm. And ended up uh, like he fleed from his uh, his home country because there's a lot of like uh, turmoil going on over there. Fleed from his country, and uh, he worked odd jobs at a car dealership, and then he was able to buy out a car dealership that was the one he worked at that was kind of going under. Bought it out, and uh, you know, kind of turned it around, made it good. He uh, yeah, he just like he just went through so much struggle and everything, and I thought it was really cool to see how this guy you know basically went from nowhere from being a car salesman, and you know, just over time flipped it around face all this adversity just because he was you know of a different race you know he wore his turban and everyone kind of thought oh fuck this guy like i'm not going to deal with you know someone in the turban but to, and then just to you know keep that friendly smile work the car dealerships you know bust ass and give back to his community just to be considered a super fan by the by this one organization that he truly loves and he was there he'd been there for years and years just kept going to the games, never missed a game. And then they were able to dub him their, like their number one fan. They gave him a championship ring when they won two years ago, a couple years ago. Oh, that's awesome as hell, yeah. dude. Because that's really he'd been, cool. Because he'd been a fan for so long and like had been through there, like through the lows and everything. They, because I don't know if it's the same for basketball, but I do know for football that when you win a Super Bowl and you get a ring, literally down to like the janitors of the of the um field of the home field like say yeah, patriots a win a lot of the get organization a get get a ring yeah a lot of people yeah. the get a ring but yeah like when they so when that's they cool to the, be considered part of that when they dubbed him the super fan it was like before a game or something like that mm-hmm. and the gm of the with well, the president of the toronto raptors was like came out to the middle of the of the court. Which is Drake, by the way, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Depends on what day. Uh, but they called the dude out. They're like, yo, come here. And like he walked onto the court and they're like, they dubbed him like the super fan. That's how he became known. Mm-hmm. And I was, like it was it was just it was so cool to hear. Like I read the I was reading the story this morning. I thought, man, that's that's really cool because he gives back. He donates so much money to the Raptors uh for like buying tickets just so like uh, kids in lower communities can go attend the games and stuff like that. I was like, dude, that's, that's awesome. That's so awesome, dude. Props yeah, to that guy for real. That, I just want to share that because like the car dealership reminded me about it. And I was like, it's a good yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good, wow. And then you got Daniel Russo. Hey, I kicked his ass. Yeah, I kicked his ass. <laughs> you piece of shite. <laughs> so uh, I kind of was thinking we would start with one movie but i decided maybe let's end with this movie so i say we start with army of the dead and in the show with the other movie yeah I think just to make cole anxious of, the whole time i think the other movie would take yeah. a lot of talking about so we can get to other things um first off for army of the dead this is where i'm gonna yell at you cole uh i saw your status on facebook and you said army of the dead it's a movie stick to uh superheroes snyder uh let me give you a little history lesson here cole Oh boy, here we go. 2004. 
I bet he hold doesn't on, know this on. is. 2004, a movie came out, a remake, directed by Zack Snyder, called Dawn of the Dead. Guess what? That was literally his first big movie. Literally, that's what put Zack Snyder on the map. And I will say it here, and I'm sure there's people that are going to listen who will disagree and want to kill me for this, but Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is 100 times better than the original Okay. And I like the original. Don't get me wrong. Whoa. Whoa. Is there Whoa. Any... What a take. You're, both are. It's very much. I will say Army of the Dead is very much. Dawn of the. It, it reminded me a lot of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, both. Yeah. Oh, it's supposed to be a sequel. It's supposed to be a sequel to the remake. Really? That's from what I've read. It's supposed to be a sequel to the remake. So it's supposed to be a sequel to his version of Dawn of the Dead. Yes, from what I've read. Interesting. I did not know that. That yeah. That actually is really cool. I did yeah, read that. I did read. Apparently, he'd been trying to get this made for years, and it just never happened. Well, here's the thing. And the reason why I say like that's what put him on the map is two years later he releases 300, which arguably is what put Zack Snyder on the map for a lot of people was 300. Yeah, I keep I forgetting so. he I completely forgot he did. But me be me being a horror movie fan and uh that was one of my favorite like there was a time in the 2000s kind of around 2004 is when it started 2004 2005 it, it started with Dawn of the Dead in my opinion and kind of went up to like uh even a little bit earlier with like when a stranger calls and stuff like that. But then you get like the fog and the thing remakes and all this. Um but Dawn of the Dead was one of the first major like remakes of a horror movie. And for someone to come out and be like, you know what? I'm going to remake a horror movie. And you're just like, all right, that's that's ballsy. And then you go, you know what? I'm going to remake a horror movie by the father of the modern zombie. Yeah. Which is George Romero. Yeah. You're playing with fire there. Like if you fuck up, you're not going to live past that. Right. Yeah. Because honestly, like you, you can like, I can imagine that like, the conversation that he goes like he goes to the to the company like yeah I want to remake a horror movie they're like oh yeah sure okay cool which one uh, Romero's Dawn of the Dead and they're like whoa whoa now because it's like it's, and, like, it's, it's like something you don't touch you like you don't touch that Romero is known for creating the modern zombie the very like the slow not necessarily like brains give me brains but like the slow methodical type zombie whereas when Zack Snyder did Dawn of the Dead the fast like world war z crackhead zombies was from dawn of the dead in 2004 he was the first person to really put that on the map yeah so i got very much dawn of the dead vibes down to the point that there was a pregnant zombie because there is a pregnant yeah. there's a pregnant yeah. lady in dawn of the dead which i thought was a, cool a zombie baby and that's why i really like the remake i was just like i was watching it with a friend and i go man uh zach snyder really has a thing for pregnant zombies doesn't he because <laughs> it just threw me off i was like not again come on man <laughs> and he used the same effect too of the the baby came out blue and then like wasn't blue anymore like he did that in dawn of the dead as well that that part though like i'm like and this i think this is just more the the, the medical me like well not medical but like knowing medical stuff like was it blue because it was a zombie or was it blue because oxygen hadn't hit the body and now that it did 
it turned a normal color. That's, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> because technically, like blood isn't fully red until it hits oxygen. So, well, I I don't want to like speak on Cole's like personal shit, but at least for me, and you know me and Cole, how we know each other and all this. But yeah. at least for me, we were born being called blue babies for part of that reason. Like, ah, okay, so just because yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a literal syndrome. It's called blue baby syndrome. It's lack of okay. oxygen, so, yeah, and so. Part of a part of my heart condition, and again, Cole, if you want to say you you can, I'm not going to say your shit. But part of my heart condition was I was born blue because I had a lack of oxygen coming out. Like, I actually I had like no oxygen coming out. Like I was almost dead, to be honest with you. But like, that's why I've had seven open heart surgeries and shit. Though because she was the undead, so she wasn't taking oxygen. Fucking genius, Snyder. Stack Zack Snyder. Snyder genius, genius with zombies. No, I did. Um, I'll make my points quick because I really do want to hear what you guys said. I have to say, but basically, my points are this. Uh, I thought the pacing was was not good at all. I thought it was a little too long. Like there was some scenes, like the scene specifically that stands out to me the most as like this is unnecessary. You don't really need the scene. Is when Dave Batista turns to his lady friend and she was like, I wasn't even here for the money. I was just here to be with you. And then her neck gets snapped. I was like, all right, we didn't need that scene. Like, fuck out of here with that. Like, love triangle romance. Like, I laughed when her neck got snapped. Don't get me wrong. But like... It caught me off guard and I laughed my ass off. I was like, all right, cool. But like the dialogue of the scene, we didn't need. Like, I didn't care. I don't care about your character. So, fuck out of here. Like, cool, you got your neck snapped. Um, I had also had an issue with the music. Um, zombie. Well, that's my issue. He went, it's cool that he wants to use modern music. Like he literally opens, um, Dawn of the Dead with, um, Down with the Sickness. And And he closes it with, uh, The Man That Comes Around by Johnny Cash. Oh my, what? Yeah. yeah, well, he's so, great, but it bothered me that he chose cover versions and not good cover versions. Like, if he played the Bad Wolves version of Zombie, I would have been like, "All right, I don't like the song, but at least it's a, it's, it's a good ish version of it." But he chose like some like karaoke ass sounding. Like this lady was trying really hard to punch out that uh, Irish accent to get some of these notes, and I was like, didn't "Sound bad." <laughs> it didn't sound terrible. Some of the songs, though, like the it's not like opening. the original version of the Cranberries is, you know, amazing. Now it's a good song, but like she was hitting all the right stylings. Some of the music in this, though, like the intro of uh, "Viva Las Vegas," I thought that, that was fucking hilarious. That honestly might might be my favorite part of the whole movie. I just I just liked that whole opening sequence. I did think that it had good humorous spots that kind of broke up the monotony of the two hour. And I feel like, and this is my last point, I feel like everybody that was cast played their character perfectly because like the, uh, the rapist, like border guard or whatever the fuck he was. Theo Rossi. Yeah. Who's uh, sending women into the, into the boss, the quarantine area. And like they were like, you here, you hold the gas tanks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, the minute he came on screen, I was like, I cannot wait for this guy to fucking die. And five Me minutes too. later, he fucking died. I knew. And he then was it goes again to the guy from that uh, one TV show called Raising Hope or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
who was like the the Tanaka's like right hand man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where I was like, I cannot wait for the like this guy's up to something. Like the minute he stepped in, I was like, this guy's shady. And the lady called him out on it. I was like, Yeah, he's gonna die. And for him to get fucked up by that tiger, like I was like, All right, zombie tiger seems a little ridiculous. It's kind of funny that they were like, Yeah, that's Symphony and Roy's tiger. Like, that's kind of funny. And I was waiting for the zombie tiger to finally get involved. And like the way it did, I was like, All right. It was worth this dude dying for. That was that was such a gruesome death. I really enjoyed that. Uh, but other like like I feel like the movie could have been thirty four minutes less, and I would have been fine. But I want to hear what you guys have to say. Who want to go first? I, I can go first. Go ahead, buddy. So, yeah, you really feel those two and a half hours. Like literally two hours in, I'm like, oh, we're probably almost. There's 30 minutes left. What the like? What it was just, I the you know yeah like you said the pacing was off. For me, I really wanted to get attached to these characters. I really did. But aside from Dave Batista's character, what, what was his name? Scott, I want to say. Scott Ward. Yeah, he was like the only character I really. One last thing, I really wish they would have had Batista Batista bomb zombie at least once. <sighs> Like, or come a on, spear a spear, yes. man. Like, think about it every time you see it, maybe not so much with The Rock anymore, and even with John Cena because they've had some stuff under their belt. Mm-hmm. But okay, Cole will get this because he's seen it. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw they made sure Roman Reigns hit the spear, yep, and did and even did the ooh, they made yeah, sure I remember that, did. I remember that yeah. part, but that like, just and that early just on in. Early on when Rock did uh, Walking Tall, he hit the rock bottom on someone. Yeah, yeah. But like, so it's kind of like a trope within like wrestlers turn to actors. Like you got. But I feel it. like I feel like that was more early on in their movies, and they're trying to create that line that I'm not just a wrestler. I need to be considered more of an actor, which was which is a big deal for for Dave Bautista. Like that was his main thing. He didn't want to be associated as just I'm just a buff dude, you know, trying to fill the buff guy role. Well, he does. I mean, but like, he has. I a get bit of a that, more but this is a movie line. where you're supposed to be fun. Like, you're killing zombies. Yeah, you yeah. could have thrown in one Batista bomb. Like, come on. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, I liked Batista's character. He was cool. The other characters were all. They were they were okay. You know, you had your typical genetic. You know, you got the foreign dude who, who can break into stuff. You got the. Hey, Dieter was fun, man. Oh, I li- I liked the character. I'm just. Uh, the pilot, le- I liked the pilot lady. She was cool. Like when she first showed showed up. Oh yeah, million. Uh, the job is. Oh, I don't care. Two million. I'm in. You don't want to hit. No, I don't need to know. It's like you okay. notice he gave everyone a different price as well. Yeah, well, yeah. It went lower. It kept going lower and lower. Well, he he, he talked about that because they, it was fifteen mil for the ones that were considered family, which would be himself, uh, the woman that is like his interest, and it's then Van Horn. And the, no, 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 the Hispanic lady at the garage, the one that he that, that dies for the end. Oh, okay, the next okay. He gives her fifty mil because he's they're he, they're giving him fifty mil altogether, and then he needs to pay out his crew. So fifteen for himself, fifteen for her, fifteen for um, Vanar, the the guy with the chainsaw. Well, not chainsaw, but the the saw. So that's forty. I saw that as like a, a fireman's like tool to break into. Yeah, like, like when you yeah. have an accident. So that's 45. So he has five middle play with and 
you're just paying the other guys. You don't have to tell them what your cut is. So, and that, and they mentioned that they're like fifteen a piece. See, I missed that. So I thought he was just like being funny and like you get this no, much. It, so I was like, all right, that's kind yeah. of funny. And honestly, it, what it reminded me of, and I'll give it back to you here in a second, Cole. It reminded me of like when you're setting up a heist in Grand Theft Auto because that's basically what they're doing. They're setting up a heist. Yep. You yeah, have yeah. Your, you have your amount. You pay your your main people, and you pay the people who you think you know should get X amount. So. Thank you for bringing up the high set aspect because, okay, when, when I, you know, I went into this thinking a heist zombie movie set in Vegas. Okay, this is going to be fun. This is going to be really cool. I felt like they didn't really do much with it. Like, yeah, you had the, you did have the heist, but it's like, I it just felt like the zombie, you know, just felt like the zombies were just there in addition to the heist and. I just didn't really feel the stakes, honestly. In the whole ve- in Vegas, Vegas was just there. You had that one scene in the casino, which was awesome. That was cool. But other than that, they didn't really use it for much. Other than that, and like the opening, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just felt like there were some missed opportunities with this. Like they could have done so much more with that concept, because it excited the hell out of me. I was like. Oh, Zack Snyder's directing a zombie movie and it's a heist movie? Okay, cool. So there is a, a sequel plan, but it's technically a prequel. And the blueprints that they find when they first get in the casino, I think the prequel or the next part of the movie, part two or the movie, whatever you want to call it, is going to be that crew pre-zombie apocalypse. Okay. We'll, we'll see is what, what I heard. We'll see what happens with that then. But um, no, I I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't. But, and another thing is I'm, I'm kind of tired of zombies at this point. Like, and when I go to watch a zombie movie or a zombie show, I'm not watching it for the zombies. I'm watching it for the, you know, the humans, the human characters. Mm-hmm. But I did like the zombies in this. The, I liked the, the super smart zombies. I liked the pilot lady at the end. Is that zombie wearing a cape? Dude's just dressed like a superhero. Like, ah, that that was cool. But so funny. Fun fact here, real quick. Uh, Tig Nataro, who plays the helicopter lady, yeah, was originally supposed to be Chris Delia or whatever his uh, name is. Chris Delia, yeah, yeah. So obviously that happened and he got fired. Uh, so Tig Notaro actually signed up and did all her stuffs digitally. So I think Dave I Batista, did hear about that. Yeah. Dave Batista still has not met her in person. Oh, because <laughs> they they were digitally in seeds. Like that's crazy. Wow, that's awesome. I think I and did it, t- about it took that, like yeah. millions of dollars to reshoot her seeds. But because um, I saw the big, the budget was like ninety mil, I was like. Not bad, but I'll, I'll talk about that when I get to my part. But yeah, uh, real quickly, um, it says here in September 2020, it um, was announced that a prequel film and an anime style television series are in development to expand the franchise. Uh, the prequel will be called Army of Thieves. It's an upcoming Amer- American romantic comedy heist film, which will take place in a zombie franchise directed by some weird Swedish dude um, from an original story co-written by Zack Snyder. So Zack Snyder's still co-writing it, 
but he's not uh, directing it and he's obviously producing it and all that but um the premise it says here the story takes place before the events of army of the dead during the early stages of the zombie outbreak okay I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna hate it. But um, yeah, no, I I I enjoyed the movie for what it was. I just wish they'd gone a little further in some places, and cut down that runtime. I mean, that that was too that was too much. But I'll I'll give it a six. Yeah. Army of the Snyder Cut. <laughs> this yeah, this was this. Dude, Netflix put out a tweet. Oh, by the way, this is the Snyder Cut. I remember, yeah, I think I've never seen that. But yeah, I'll give it a 6 out of 10. I enjoyed it for what it was. Didn't hate it. Don't know if I'd watch it again, but it was it was an enjoyable enough watch. So I I have, like, I like the movie overall. It was a fun movie to watch. Um, I know you two are complaining about the runtime. I don't hate the runtime. I think it's like, I didn't, I didn't get bored out of it. I feel like it was, the pace was good on it. Um, only because like if when I think of a heist movie I think of Ocean's Eleven and right. if you if you think about Ocean's Eleven it's kind of a dragged out movie but it's because they're doing they're explaining things but they, they execute it well in Ocean's Eleven they, you know the, the pace in the movie so I like I, I didn't mind the pace in this one I thought it was good um, the opening sequence was great and it was similar to, to his opening sequence of dawn of the dead uh the whole viva las vegas and the lounge style was great because also in the opening of dawn of the dead he did like you said down with the sickness but he did it in a lounge style as well so i was like yeah it was like, like a quartet like yeah it was like band get up because you're down with the sickness yeah it was like that like you know which i thought was great so it was it was cool to see you know the similarity in the opening and and everyone dying in vegas i thought that was great even to like right at the end when they're cutting down the the fake Eiffel Tower he goes watch out Elvis and then the tower hits them I was like dude that's so fun it was it was a fun opening um I thought the zombies looked pretty cool for what they were like they I, I feel like the makeup on them was pro it was pretty neat like it was cool to see the way how they were all dressed up um I did like the like there's a level of zombie the alphas and then yeah. your your standard just normal zombie but the alphas and how intelligent they were because the the coyote character she knew there was like an agreement between the smarter ones and the people that go through there like don't bug us and we won't bug you but you kind of need to pay your way to to be in here by offering something which they offered the the weird rapist uh border guy or the the security guy but i enjoyed the movie for what it was yeah like the the story could have been executed a little bit better i guess maybe a little bit more detail and i wish they would have done a little bit more on the on the high side but i, I think it's just because for me i wanted more of a of an ocean's 11 style especially from dietrich's point of view because i i thought dietrich was hilarious as the safe cracker but he reminds me of yeah but he reminds you of the, I forget what his name in Ocean's I'll look Eleven is. for you, but I know the little Asian guy, right? Yeah. Little Asian guy, yeah. He reminds me of his character because he's the one getting into the vault and everything. Um, 
but I thought it was like I thought it was funny. I thought the pacing was good. The when they talked about the money part and everything, it reminded me of Grand Theft Auto. So that's when I like I was like, okay. On the high side, I I wanted Ocean's Eleven, but yeah. overall, I felt like I was watching somebody play Grand Theft Auto in this game, like in this movie. I felt like I was watching somebody play a heist mission in Grand Theft Auto, which made it fun for me. I was like, you know what? This is what it is. Don't expect too much. You're going to get the stupidity of people messing up along the way, which was, um, like y'all said, the uh, Tanaka's right-hand man. Like, instantly, as soon as they showed him, I was like, oh, yeah, he's a bad guy. Like, he's not yeah. going to last long. And, uh, but overall, I thought the movie was fun. Yeah, there were some parts where I can do without, like the, like you said, the, right when they were talking outside the vault and Batista and the love interest were talking how she was only there for him. Then she dies. I was like, oh, that, that's kind of a bummer. Um, and then uh, just seeing everyone kind of like trying to interact but be friendly. Like they're trying to give you quick, quick friendships and quick connections to the characters because you see them kind of pair up. But overall, I'd give it a seven. It was a fun movie for me. I, I enjoyed the aspects of it. I liked how, like I said, going back to the, the zombies, I liked how there were basically two classes of them, your alphas and then your regular guys and the king zombie, which I thought was really cool with the whole pregnancy point because there's some sort of evolution of their, I guess I, you call them a species at that point because they're evolving like that. I thought it was cool. I was kind of hoping for more on that. But the way they ended the movie, I was like, okay, there's bound to be more more from this franchise. Hopefully they kind of elaborate on that. Because I thought it was pretty cool, you know, you know to get uh, zombies to reproduce in a weird way. So I thought it was fun with that. So uh, a couple things I want to touch on. Um, first was the dude from Ocean's Love, you're thinking about his yin. And yeah, total, yeah. total yin vibes. And he was actually in the all three all four oceans movies he was he yeah. was even in the the sandra bullock reboot oceans which eight. which is still a really good fucking it's Ocean a good movie. movie man oh i love that cast like, so many people like the there's that scene where they're like reading comments or no no that's ghostbusters the female ghostbusters but um <laughs> <laughs> shut up <Cole>. but <laughs> we'll get to thinking, that eventually i'm sure people were thinking it would be like that and it wasn't like it was straight up like and i was almost glad that they didn't put george clooney in it because like they explained it as like he's dead or something like that or he's yeah he's dead, dead which i thought was was cool but so i love, I the, I love the cast because it yeah. was really good um but yeah yin was in that one as well which is cool yeah. uh the other thing is i feel like Zack Snyder really did want to go back to his roots of Dawn of the Dead. Because like I said, I got a really big Dawn of the Dead vibe throughout this movie, which I loved. But I also feel like he was very much struggling to find a balance between making it a really good heist movie or a zombie movie. Like there was really no... It was kind of in between. There was no like, yeah, it's for sure this type of movie or for sure this type of movie because the heist almost seemed like they set it up and all that but then mm -hmm. after that until you get to the vault it just it disappears seems like it's become like a background thing like you forget about it and then they get to the vault and you're like yeah they do it but then like there's no money 
at the end. So then it feels like it's nothing. I feel like the setup for the whole, for the heist was really good. Like they built it up really well. Like you you go find your guys, you pay them out. Like you're telling them what the pay is. I thought that was good. The execution was not good. Like because now, okay, now we're going into a zombie movie because we're entering the area where the zombies are at. Uh, and I think what what makes for that too is the CGI that's that you start to notice in the movie because when you think of a, like a a heist movie there's no cgi in it really you know it's there's your, your live stunts and stuff like that but there's no cgi so now you're including you know cgi zombies running around uh the background kind of cgi because it's in a wasteland um, to be fair we are spoiled with the heist movies that we get being really yeah. well made by steven soderbergh because yeah. he did the three i'm pretty sure he did all four oceans movies I think so. Um, he also did a movie called Unsane, which he shot completely on an iPhone. Oh, yeah. Lo- Logan Lucky. Have you ever seen yeah. that? Have think you ever seen that? Like that? No. And think it's about a like, heist movie around NASCAR. It's the funniest shit ever. It's got Adam Driver like, and Channing Tatum. Think about like Baby you had Driver. Me and Adam Driver. The Italian job. Like they're, it's live action stunts. Anyway. Yeah. You know, but then like, so now you haven't, you're having to introduce a zombie aspect. So, cgi kind of takes over and it's like well you know that's cool but it's not like yeah they're they're kind of fighting for okay what is this movie is it is it zombie or is it heist what are we doing what are we doing because yeah until we get to the vault is now you remember hey this is a it's a heist movie still at, at the core um did anybody else get nightmare scene vibes from some of the shots what do you mean my nightmare scene I felt like I was watching the nightmare scene from uh, Justice League when they're in the desert talking to Joker. There was like some not, moments where like there was like yeah, blurriness in the background where there, I kind of got There was some that. blurriness. There was some lens flaring. There was like the blurriness and there I was like, I feel like but I'm that, watching. Is that, like, is that like Abrams where he has lens flare as part of his filming it style? It wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad, but I was like, I feel like I feel like Snyder was like, hey, remember how we did that scene in Justice League? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, let's do that here, but change it. Get out of Ben Affleck's backyard. <laughs> but like, there, there were some points where I, I kind of got that vibe and I was like, okay. Like, I, I, I think, I guess it's just because we're in the desert, technically, because it's Vegas. But I was like, all right, it's it's not, it's, it's not bad. It wasn't terrible. But yeah, like, I, I can see where the the tug and pull is to like for like what kind of movie this is becoming a problem. I think like I said, that's going back to the setup was really good. The execution was not great as far as the heist part of it. I did. There was a part towards the end when they're shooting, having the shootout in the casino that as a horror movie fan, um, and this is what I like about Zack Snyder doing again, he's only done one other zombie movie. But the good thing about Zack Snyder doing zombie movies is he, as much as he can, keeps it realistic. Like, um, Batista running out of bullets. You rarely see people in zombie movies run out of bullets. Watch, Watch The Walking Dead. They've been shooting off guns for almost 12 years now without actually having any bullet issues. 
Like, come on. You, at some yeah. point, you're in the apocalypse. You're going to run out of bullets, and you, you're not going to have the materials to make anymore or anything like that. So for Batista, because there, there's an established, like, the rest of the world's fine. It's just Vegas is bad. They're, they yeah. they established that. So obviously, he's going to be able to go back out to the rest of the world. Uh, spoiler, he dies. And get more bullets if he needed it. You know what I mean? And they're about to launch a nuke off into Vegas. So obviously the rest of the world is not like a desolate wasteland like most zombie movies are. Mm -hmm. So for him to run out as a zombie, someone who's watched like zombie shows and horror movies for a long time, to see him run out of bullets, I was like, thank you for doing that. Like, because even in Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder, like he has them shooting off guns. And then towards the end, um, the main character was like we have two bullets we can shoot these two zombies or shoot ourselves and just end it right here and he literally ends the movie with a gunshot sound you don't know what happens because he fades to black and you hear the gunshot you assume they shoot themselves but you don't really know but yeah i think that's really i think that's a smart move by Zack snyder is to make it yeah it's a zombie movie but it's also realistic at the same time like, because honestly, a zombie tiger, yeah, that's kind of realistic. Like, I could see that happening because we don't necessarily know how zombieism would affect animals and shit like yeah. that. And we get a zombie horse, too, that the the king zombie had a, a zombified horse, which when he when he came out, like when he when he came trotting out on the horse, I was like, what the fuck is this? A pale horse called death? I was like, this is great. I was like, this is good shit, man. It's gonna end it with Johnny Cash again. <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, I was like, he has the horse, he has his little cape, he has his helmet on. His, it's know, probably what he was going for though. Because I bet you anything Zack Snyder was like, let me reference myself here. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this is so good. This is good stuff. Also, the scene with the zombie baby, did you get Mad Max Fury Road vibes from it? Yes. When like the dude was like, I have a son and he is beautiful. Like I got the like they didn't say any words in that scene except oh! and I was like, Yeah, totally, bro. You have a son and it's beautiful. Like that's the vibe I got from that scene. I was like, that was really good right there. Yeah. And like there was you know, that's just going back to like to the alphas, like how smart they were. And like we were we were seeing a a primitive yet intelligent zombie which is different, you know, than usual, you know, they knew they're bringing this guy in, don't kill him, because this is King, you know, this is the King's uh, prisoner, then we can do what we want with him, which I thought was cool, and then, like, the, like, him, like, showing some emotion to his queen, I was like, you don't see that with zombies, that's, that's a new thing, that's cool, then the baby and everything, and everyone just kind of, you know, bending the knee to him which i thought was really interesting and like i was like i want more of that because you don't see that in zombie movies i feel like we're like at that point we're getting away from them being just a, a zombie and they're a different species now yeah because because they're evolving that's why i like dawn of the dead so much too is because i'm anytime you see a fast zombie you have to credit to Zack snyder because he was the one willing to take the risk and be like, traditional zombie? No, let's not do that. Because there was traditional zombies as like a nod to the original Dawn of the Dead mm-hmm. in it. But then he had like zombies literally storm the fucking mall. I don't know. Yeah. It was a really good movie. Uh, but I'm with you. I'd give it a solid seven. Yeah. One last point for me. 
Did you notice on a couple of them, they look kind of robotic in the head? Yeah. When, when they shot a couple, I guess the older ones, uh, like when they're in the on the casino floor, when they shot one in the face, like his his head opened up, but you see like blue spark kind of come out, and it looks like he has like a like a fucking Kano eye and like, yeah. like a silver face. I was like, did I just see that? Like, did I just see like a robotic looking face on him? That's and, then when one... and then when they shot the king, same thing. Like you see some blue and a little bit of a, a little bit of like machine looking to him. That's my one thing with zombie movies that I do have an issue with. And this is all across. The, this is not a Zack Snyder thing or anything like this. This is all across the board. Even The Walking Dead is really bad for this um from what i remember watching look at what you can do with and i I get budgets are going to be different but look at what you see when you watch the avengers or something like or even justice league or something like that when you see thanos you don't see a obvious green screen feel to him or a more motion capture feel to him. It literally looks like a big purple Barney looking motherfucker is on screen, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like it literally looks like, yeah, there's a big purple guy standing next to Robert Downey Jr. here. And that's yeah. my problem with like current zombie movies is like they don't take the time to try to at least edit the CGI to look clear. Right. And it becomes there's parts where the CGI like Obviously, when you're doing an aerial shot full of zombies running around a guy on an undead horse, like obviously that's not gonna look pretty. Like I get that. But like some like you're pointing out here, the the robotic like blue look to like some of the headshots could have looked better. Yeah, it could have been cleaned up a little bit more. And Walking Dead has like a huge issue with that. Like one of the ones that was pointed out for a while was literally like Rick standing in like a field is behind him and whatever they shot for like the field aspect mm-hmm. literally had a plane kept going across like his head's here and a plane kept going like this behind him same plane like four times during this whole scene <laughs> it's like you guys couldn't have caught that and like just erased him a little or something yeah like deleted it a little bit come on guys and there's there's a couple scenes where like literally and again budget all this whatever but literally like you can see a green almost like a green outline of where the digitized whatever is put into a scene which it's crazy to me that and maybe it's because they spend a lot of money putting her in the movie uh because they had to but it's crazy to me how like i until i read that headline there that dave batista hasn't met tignataro once I would have thought she was in the same fucking room as them. Yeah. I did not know she was digitized. She doesn't look digitized. No, she looks fine. Headshots that look digitized, and you're just like, ugh. Like, come on. Like, yeah. Pick your lane, man. So, so as as final final thought on this, who wins in a zombie fight? A Snyder zombie, or a Twenty Eight Days Rage? Rage infected person. Pretty sure Danny Boyle made that movie, right? Yeah, Danny Boyle made that one. I'm gonna go with Snyder on this one. You go Snyder? Yeah. I don't know. 
I'm I'm gonna go Snyder. I'm gonna go Alpha. Though. It has to be an Alpha. Can't be like a standard zombie. It has to be quick the way the rage infested ones, rage infected ones are. But keep in mind, 28 days later, came out after his remake. So yeah, it the did. Idea, not, not too much. Longer, the idea though. of that modern zombie though could have came from Snyder there. Yeah, they're like, we want. I want to do a fast zombie, but not a zombie. What do we do? The the actual like zombie movies were around for a long time, uh-huh. but they actually like tripled production wise after September 11th happened. That's really interesting to think about. Yeah, that is interesting to think about. I forgot. Uh, I only only bring up 28 Days because I I forgot I watched it earlier this week, but it was hard to watch at work because the fucking audio is so low. Oh, I fucking on, hate movies like that. I felt like the audio was low on this one too, though. I, I had my no, own shit. No, the audio was fine on this up. one. But I, I feel like 28 Days Maybe I'm just is, going deaf. is the worst for it. Like it's the audio on them talking, is, it's just so low. It's like this, you know, it's just quietly. But when there's a zombie involved, it's fucking loud as shit. But I'm like, and like, I, I enjoy those movies. Like, I like those movies. And like, I just wish they would like remaster it and, Hey, we're gonna turn the volume to normal for you guys. I hope that's okay. You're watching. She's trying to watch a lovely TV show, and like the TV show talks like this, and then it's like, "Come to Ross for the yeah. seven days." And you're like, "What the hell?" Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yep. The Matrix is bad about that too. It's like, Neo, you are the one in the year. And I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, where's the music coming from?" <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's segue over to the next one because I know you guys are probably really excited for me to finally talk about this. Yeah, let's get Cole um, back involved over here because he started. He yeah. just hit a dead wall. He's like, "Zombies, okay, that's all I know." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have decided to enroll in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. Uh, I told you guys watch, a couple weeks ago that. I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I was going to actively sit down with an open mind and watch every, every Joe, every MCU movie in order, release order, Joe. You already fucked up. You fucked up already twice already in your statements. So I started this week with Iron Man. Ask your questions, whatever you want to do. Am I going to have to hit you after this? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. God. Well, let's be clear. This is my favorite MCU movie. So if Brady starts talking crap, this might be my last episode. <laughs> Brady, you've, have you seen, you've seen this movie before though, right? Like you've seen I've seen every before. MCU movie except Thor Dark World mm-hmm. and Thor... Uh, Ragnarok. I haven't seen the first Ant Man as well. Okay, what you're gonna love two of those. What were your, what were your opinions about them beforehand? Like, why don't why don't you like them? They're just so, and I get that they're like trying to establish these new characters and stuff like that, especially like the first. Uh, what do I want to say? introduction to it's very like the origin stories like overplayed in my opinion like i get that they need to happen so you know who the hell iron man is and who captain america is and all that but like it just for me it be 
and this is, has to do with just me feeling burnt out because my brother was born in May. And so from May 2000, probably 2001 on to whenever he moved out of the house and even a little bit after was every birthday we would go see a superhero movie because that's when they came out. It was started with Spider-Man and I do like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. I know that's probably an unpopular opinion, but I do like those movies. And then it turned into X-Men and Fantastic Four. Hell, even one year I was like, all right, fuck it. Daredevil's out. Let me go see Daredevil. Because um, it, it's on my birthday. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll go see it. Um, and it, it just... They take these characters. And I get the whole, like, you got to, like, build yourself up to be able to be a powerful person or whatever. But, like, three movies in, they take these characters and, like beat the shit out of them for half the movie until finally they're like oh shit that's right we have superpowers it just seems like redundant like why can't and i know like because you got to make the movie last and all that but why can't captain america piece thor up or i mean piece thanos up for an hour like that'd be a fun fucking movie like why can't he just like stand there and be like watch out watch out watch out and just beat his ass for an hour like in different ways why do i have to see him like get his ass kicked he's fucking captain america like, come on. He's got super ser soldier serum in him. Like, dude, you're supposed to be this badass dude and you're getting your shit kicked in. Like, come on. Like, fucking do something, man. You got America's ass. Do something. So going back after your rant, what is your what is your unbiased opinion now on Iron Man? Now on Iron Man? Yeah. I actually really liked it. Like, I liked it a lot more this time around maybe it's because i haven't seen it in probably close to 10 years now to be honest with you like since the first release because i know i saw it with my brother and my parents and all that and i'm sure i've catched it on cable every once in a while and i know for a fact i went to i don't know if you have it up there joe but you know cole maybe knows this place called star time it's like an arcade go-kart mini golf place that's also a movie theater it was pretty cool. Um, I, mean, I don't Starlight? know if they were... No, it's called Star Time. Oh, I've never heard of it. Or Aurora. It's now Aurora Films or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I took my cousin... One of my, when my cousin lived down here, him and I went to go see it together in theaters. Um, and, like, I probably enjoyed it back then, too. But, like, like I said, I got burnt out with so many fucking movies. But... The interesting thing that I took away from this watch was how grounded in reality Iron Man is compared to what you get later on. Like, not even like, not even like the first Thor movie or the first Captain America movie, but like the Avengers movies where they're literally fighting like aliens. Yeah. Like, it, it goes from like a really cool, like, grounded in reality tale. Cause like, Think about it this way. Elon Musk could be building a fucking Iron Man suit and we wouldn't know. I mean, he's building self-driving cars. He's building flamethrowers. He's going to go put some people in space that have literally had no training in their life whatsoever, but he's going to put them in space, shoot them around the earth and send them back down. Like, that's a fucking scary thought right there. And then you but got like, the you got the Amazon guy who's pretty much Lex Luthor. So, you know. Yeah. You, you literally, like, I'm waiting for the day where Elon Musk, like, Holds a press conference, goes, I'm Iron Man, and literally goes, and an Iron Man suit comes on him. 
like a legitimate like yeah the money like realistically money is there to do it not necessarily like the whole arc reactor part of it like that probably isn't grounded reality but like a billionaire getting kidnapped because his partner wants to kill him and get him out of the business kind of deal totally makes sense yeah totally makes sense i i'm excited to keep watching like i'm maybe this is a new leaf for me i don't know but like i do i really i did what i did with fargo i put my phone down and i actually like paid attention to watch like there was a couple moments where i was like i want to say what i'm feeling right now and text it to you guys but i also wanted to wait till we got on mic because i didn't want to like have cole like crying in a corner because he was so happy that i liked the movie you know yeah i'll say this if you can get past uh thor the dark world you can get then you're fine literally that's the only one i don't like so out of 20 and out of 23 movies i'd say that's pretty damn good (laughs) so i I told you i was gonna watch the movies with you but i was gonna watch them in in time order so i watched um Captain America two weeks ago and well last week and then I watched um, Iron Man this past week because I'm a, I, I skipped Captain Marvel because I, I can't stand the Captain Marvel movie uh, you, you can throw your hand all you want on the coal but you can slap yourself with it too because it's not a good movie I did see did Captain it. Marvel in theaters I kind of agree with you there it's, like, it, it, it has it, its ups and downs and so, I'm not trying to like be rude here or anything like that like I get why they made this movie but yeah. there's a point where like girl the, power took over like the actual plot of the movie. That's not even my issue with it. My issue with it is it came too late is my issue. It, it came too late. It was if Captain Marvel was supposed to be such a big character, I feel like there was the problem was they had to do they either did her first or did her last, but either way they were doomed. Because if you did her after like if you were to do it chronologically and if you did captain america first then you did captain marvel and then you ran the other 20 something movies for 20 of those movies you're gonna be like why doesn't captain marvel just come in and destroy everything why doesn't captain marvel just come and do this you know what i mean i see where you're coming from because she but if, they established but, like the pagers like what calls her yeah she uses if we have it nick fury when it's like a why, super big problem yeah why so why isn't, isn't she, she in here, here? before like the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Like it's a but big problem. Since they threw her right before, was it right before Infinity War, right? Yeah, it was like two months yeah. before. Yeah. To me, it just felt like a filler. And honestly, like to me, it felt like a filler. I'm only here because I need to watch this to maybe understand something that happens in Infinity War. Which doesn't I... happen until the very end. Yeah. So... And then, which I was like, absolutely pointless. And then the music for me too. Like I get they're trying to do. We say Infinity War. We mean Endgame. Because we were well, saying it was two months before Endgame. Was two months before? Endgame? No, it was Infinity War. No, Endgame. Are you sure? Really? It was March 2019, and then uh, Infinity War. I mean, Endgame was like the net was April. Okay. Like literally the next month. Okay. Anyway. Well, anyway. Whatever. The, the big budget movies. And then the music was a big issue for me too. Like I get they want to keep the retro '90s, you know, late '80s, early '90s retro style and the girl power stuff of that. Come as you are. But as my you are. my thing was is they were using these pop songs when there should have been score. 
and it kind of took away from I guess for me it took away from the impact of what the scene is supposed to be like when they're fighting on the spaceship in the like in the cargo room looking like looking room they're playing like some 90s music and I'm like this is not the time for that this is like your big fight scene and you're playing you know a song this is where your score should be popping off man like and that, that it was just it's small things like weird you know things I'm picky about like that but like I said if if they would have done her first it was like why isn't she here now if they did her last it's just a filler to me like I don't care I just want to see the next movie I will agree with you on the uh the score thing and it's really random but I was watching that Netflix documentary today that mm-hmm. was like part documentary part movie like they had actors play certain roles but it was about the college admission scandals okay um, the varsity blue stuff and, that just came happened yeah okay and i was super hooked because of the like it's a fucking sad story like there's they show like kids that didn't get accepted because fucking felicity hoffman and Lori Lofton were like my kid's better than you kind of deal going on it's fucking disgusting but yeah. like i was the other reason i was hooked was because fucking Atticus Ross scored it. And I was like, damn, this music's really good in it. Yeah. And then I looked it up and it's Atticus Ross. I was like, all right, that makes sense. I like his shit. But yeah, I could see, like, I didn't need Gwen Stefani. I'm just a girl. No, I needed like on some fucking violins. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so going back to to Iron Man, it's been a while since I've actually sat down and watched the Iron Man movie. And to me, it was refreshing, and I think so much better because I wasn't watching it on FX for the first time in like ten years. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I I think I think that's what kind of like has turned me off from the movie from for so long. Because when I think of Iron Man, I would think of how has the movies how shitty the definition of it was, like how like how bad it looked because it was on FX, and I was like, God, this looks terrible. Like it's so gritty looking, like just so grainy, like ugh. But watching it on like the Disney app and in, in a good, you know, at a good render rate, good definition. Yeah. I was like, this is a good movie. And uh, you know, Robert Downey played the role very well. He was that exactly- was another thing I picked up on was like it really does reestablish that like, goddamn Robert Downey Jr. was fucking made for this role. He was like, perfect for the even role. John Favreau was like, This is perfect. Like it literally is his story. He had a yeah. troubled past and now he's yep. redeeming himself. Like it's he's part he was literally born for this role. He lived his life for this role. Yeah. Um, he, another he thing so that well. I thought another thing that I thought was really interesting was Jeff Bridges' character. Like, sure, the plot of like, oh, you're just gonna go fight some iron giant looking motherfucker. Like, that's kind of cheesy, but I was like, all right, this is kind of like, but I I I can't not I can't hate it. Because I do like that movie Tusk, and literally they got the ending of Tusk from fucking Iron Man. It was like literally on the podcast that Kevin Smith did for Tusk was like, "We're just gonna steal the ending of Iron Man, and he's gonna fight another walrus in this movie, like he did in Iron Man, where he fights another Iron dude in a suit." Like I, I was like, "Watch Tusk, still, man. I need to watch that movie." But he literally goes, "Yeah, you know how in Iron Man he fights." I, Oba uh, Obadiah is his name. Yeah. Like, you know how he fights him in another Iron Man suit? We're just gonna fight. The, the Michael Parks' character is going to fight Justin Long's character in another walrus suit that he already had made up the whole time. I was like, all right, that's cheesy as shit. Let's fucking do it. And it works so well. And it really, like, going back now and watching, I'm like, 
it's cheesy, but I love it. Like it's really good. Yeah. It's what it's probably my favorite Jeff Bridges role that isn't Kevin Flynn from Tron. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put respect on Tron's name there. <laughs> also with the movie, going back to what you're saying, how grounded it is, like compared to everything. Like if it felt very realistic. Like you see someone who has lived his life on, you know, with a silver spoon in his mouth the whole time. And to see the to see the things he made being used for for bad things and he has a realization of fuck like what i thought i was trying to do to do good is actually doing bad to, to have that realization and shock like nope i'm not gonna do this anymore I'm like i need to change the world around i feel like and that's, even... that's a reoccurring thing for him like he continues that mindset like no like what we were doing was right at one point but now we have to stop because if you if as you as you watch the rest of the movies and Cole can probably agree with this. When they see this, the, you know, the aftermath of Sokovia, when the lady comes up to him and is like, my son died in Sokovia from what you did. Like, it's that, that, that's a reoccurring thing for him because I feel like he, as much as you don't think he's the emotional one, he is the emotional one. He's always trying to like redeem himself for his. Yeah, he's the emotional past. one of the group. Because he has, knows what what this stuff can cause he knows yeah which I, which I think is funny because you know in the beginning of iron man like he's not the one to have emotion you know he's you nope. know i'm banging chicks you know i'm slinging rockets i'm making money let's do millionaire playboy thramper yeah philanthropist or whatever i can't say that philanthropist. yeah that's not so hard to have, though to have him be the to have him to be the voice of reason, which I which I thought was always a good like, like a cool angle to have for to him. To have him be responsible, because like yeah. at the beginning of this one, oh, this award ceremony. No, I'm a, I'm in the casino throwing yeah, yeah. dice. But now got he's the responsible on, one. Got a in all, chick on each shoulder, yeah. In the whole group, like that's that's where I really enjoy going back to this, and I I can see how it carries on the rest of the movies. Like I thought, okay, this is really good for him. Like it's a good movie. Cole, do you have anything you want to you want to give other than praise and Brady? I'm so glad you love this movie. So, I will say this: I know it's your favorite. I know it's your favorite Iron Man or uh, MCU movie. I can't say that yet, but uh, and here's and here, current, currently from the movies I have seen, and like obviously I need to rewatch all of them again because I do have like a kind of bias towards them. But from what I've seen, uh. I say my top two MCU movies are um, Homecoming and Black Panther. Okay. But Black Panther, I will give the edge to Homecoming because one of the main reasons I really only like Black Panther is because of the director. Not necessarily the movie itself. I just like the director. I really only like it because of Andy Serkis' character, Claw. But that's we'll get into that when we get to Black Panther because I... I have a rant. I'm going to go on on that one. But going back to this, yeah, it's my favorite. They've done better movies since this. They've done, you know, obviously they, you know, this was their first attempt. But to me, it's still, this is the one I rewatch the most. It's the one I can, I can, I want to watch a movie. I'm going to watch Iron Man because it's simple. It's laid back. It's like you said, it's grounded in reality. It's just a nice, simple film. And one thing I want to add I still to this day don't know who I prefer as Rhodey. I don't know if I prefer Terrence Howard or if I prefer Don Cheadle. Like I like them both. 
I really do. I can see that though. Like rewatching it, like I've gotten used to Don Cheadle being Rhodey because like yeah, it's you barely remember Terrence Howard. But when I saw Terrence Howard, it's really here, good. Like, the first thing I did when he came on scene was like, "It's out of here for a pip." I was like, "Oh shit, he back!" And I was like, "Damn, he's really good." And like part of me was like, "You know that they have that Disney Plus show coming out? What if it'd be cool as hell?" is because it's supposed to be a cartoon it'd be yeah. cool as hell if they got terrence howard to voice him in what if just because it's called what if and you could totally do an episode on what if terrence howard was still roadie like it'd be awesome i really wish he stayed roadie next was, time baby uh, nope yeah oh, i hated the- i i loved and i hated that at the same time because like yeah he's gonna get in it but then you remember shit it's not him yeah literally every time i see that scene now i just i just get tears in my eyes i'm like damn it you know, and I, and I, yeah, like Don Cheadle's good as 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 Rhodey, but man, like seeing seeing Terrence Howard as it, I'm like, yeah. And then like you look at, I think I like Terrence Howard. More. You look at Don Cheadle now, I'm like, dude, you age so bad. Like, <laughs> you got you got really old, man. And I was like, oh, Terrence Howard. Yeah, when he, but, yeah. but look at it this way, Terrence Howard went on to do that show Empire, which was like super popular. Yeah. For like seasons, yeah. so like I don't good think he would have like, been able to do that if he was in the mcu because his schedule would have been taken up by it yeah it was you like know? one to the other man like what do you want to do so like he's still really successful and that's awesome but like watching this and then knowing don chino takes over that that uh that character i'm like man like this is almost a missed opportunity because terrence howard isn't a bad actor at all like he's not he's, he he's plays a good that actor. character he's... so well like the yeah. whole scene of like uh but just just call it like a uh, a training exercise. Is that what you guys do? And he's like, I'm not going to do that. And the next thing you see is in a training exercise gone wrong. I was like, yes. Or when uh, when he's when Tony's loading up in into the RV, he says to says to him, Oh, yeah, this is the this is the fun V. The humdrum V is back there. And then when uh, when they find him, he goes, Next time you're riding with me. Yeah, he goes, How was the fun V? Next time you're riding with me. How was the fun V? Oh, How was dude, the so fun V? I was glad. I was literally about to text you guys during that scene, actually. But then my question got answered in the movie. Because I was like, wait, how long was he gone? Because, like, it it seemed weird to me that, like, again, being that it's a grounded reality type Marvel movie, that, like, they're spending all this manpower looking for Tony Stark. Like, they wouldn't do that for, like, if you put it in terms of the real world they wouldn't really do that for a journalist or someone like that but like yeah. because it's tony stark you gotta look for him and then obadiah was like three months and i was like oh shit that makes sense yeah i mean he's well, I one American of the most powerful yeah he's one of the most powerful men in america like you, you kind of have to look for him <laughs> speaking of cheeseburger you actually just click something in my head that makes me want to bring up another point Remember a few episodes ago when I said I was watching like Mystery Men and like uh, it had like that art pop color vibe to it mm-hmm. and like there was product placement and we talked, we went on the thing about like Black Panther with like the modern music, even Captain Marvel, which doesn't need it, or Guardians of the Galaxy, which works perfectly. That was the thing I, uh, but anyway. When Tony Stark said that he wanted a cheeseburger and they established that it was Burger King, I did get that old school comic book vibe with the product placement. It wasn't overt, 
Like it wasn't like, holy shit, there's Burger King in this scene. Like it was just like a subtle, it's a subtle little like, here's a Burger King burger. But like that, that feeling that I told you guys that I missed about comic book movies, I got from this movie. But look at how much product placement you got. You got, you had Burger King, you had Audi. Audi, that vehicle was a prototype. It had, like, it wasn't even in existence yet. It was a prototype vehicle that they let them use for the movie, if I remember correctly. Verizon, Sony Vio, like, there were so many, like, big product placement in there. And when I, like, when, sorry to cut you off, Joe, but, like, when but, I was, uh, when I was rewatching the movie, like, I really did get that, like, old school, I feel like this was one of the last, like, really 2000s era comic book movies because yeah. that had that feeling granted venom has that feeling but that's for a whole nother reason but the, that's because yeah, that's she, sony's like bread and butter right there is to do that yeah. and because think about sony. think about the the sam raimi spider-man movies they were like that i try not to you know? well those those came out like in the in the two like this was 2008 is when iron man came out so it was like tail end of you know the 2000s era way of doing superhero movies i'll tell you what though shame on verizon for giving the most like tech savvy men in america that shitty verizon phone that flips into a t and that little right? like, that little thing i laughed at that shit because like he's like sitting there trying to dodge a bomb and he's like, that's like the best bro phone you pulling you, out a sidekick that's the best phone you want to put in a movie come on verizon you can do better than that when did the droid come out? Like we had Android phones, right? Give them a droid. We had the iPhone by that point. Yeah, there was an yeah. iPhone out. The iPhone was out too. Like and like you're giving them the little boop. So I was like, come on, like the worst phone you can give them. It was probably like a Verizon brand phone, and that's what they wanted to show off. It was so bad. I was like, I hate this. I was like, this man has an AI working for him at home, and you're giving him this little T phone. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like this dude's rich as hell. You're not telling me he's rocking an iPhone or six iPhones. Like, come on. Or like his own phone, and he just pays for service. Stark phone. (laughs) He pays through service for through through Verizon. Jarvis is just a fucking chip in his head at this point. Like, come on. But like overall, like I enjoy I enjoyed the movie. I'm rewatching it again since it is the first movie of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is the release wise. Yep. Um. You can't tell me I, otherwise. I will say, I it did get me like excited to watch the rest of them, just because I want to see where the the actual like I don't want to say disconnect, but like the jump off point, I guess, of where it goes from a grounded in reality movie to we got to collect these stones and fight a big purple thumb. I'd argue there's. St- I'd argue that uh, the solo movies are still to a point grounded in reality. Like, yeah, you got the more mystical. You got the stuff like Ant Man and Doctor Strange, but it's like I feel like they're all in a way sort of grounded in reality. Ant Man, Ant Man, and Strange maybe less so. And Captain Marvel, absolutely not. But but like I could see Ant Man in a way happening, kinda. I really well, enjoy the Ant-Man movies. I, I, I love them. I will death. go. No, I not. will say this: there's a moment in I want to say Infinity War, I believe, 
where they do kind of bring that grounded reality aspect back and that's when they're talking about time travel and uh barton and uh, i can't think of his name right now um ant-man scott scott that's, that's in game okay so that's in game. but they're talking about time travel and they bring up all these different movies you mean like back, back to the future is bullshit back to the future i'm pretty sure they bring up bill and ted yeah two like for them to actively sit there in a science fiction movie because that's what these movies kind of are science fiction superhero movies to sit there and like be like nah these other science fiction movies don't do shit like they don't like they're not real that was kind of like all right they brought it back to reality right there in that little part it's like i say you can't base your shit off movies We're using science over here. Those other guys, telephone booth, get out of here. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I'm not super excited to watch the Hulk. I'll be honest with you that. Don't like, watch it. It's irrelevant. I, I, do it's, I, it's not it's irrelevant. irrelevant. Don't watch it. It's irrelevant. Kiss my ass, Joe. It's, it's not, not really. <laughs> Drop your pants. Let's go. Yeah, but. Um, That's getting cut out. <laughs> I don't even know what he said, so it's not getting cut out. Um. <laughs> I did read about it um, and that's the first start of like the super soldier serum aspect of the movies which is what Captain America is so that's where it kind of is relevant there. You also have General Ross and the fact that Abomination is going to be in the She-Hulk show. Um, I do think that from what I'm reading um, a lot of the issues with that movie itself are Edward Norton like I guess he wrote a lot of it and wasn't happy wasn't happy with like the final cut of it he was like a huge huge diva on set or something I I don't know the full story I just know he was difficult to work with because like he even like um cast like he suggested casting for the movie like certain actors to play certain roles so um maybe when it came down to editing and i'm sure we'll, like now we're gonna do it this way and he was like not happy yeah with it. And that's why marvel ultimately went with mark Ruff. i'm sure we'll get to this when i watch it because obviously next week um the next episode we do will be about part two of this this ongoing series of me enrolling into the mcu um is uh I will 100% say Ed, Edward Norton, like, yeah, he's good in that movie as the Hulk, but I honestly cannot see anybody else other than Mark Ruffalo. Exactly. I'll try to find it, see if I can watch it. I happen to have the DVD, so I was lucky on that point. Um, good luck finding it. You're probably going to have to buy it. Probably. Yeah, that's because I, that's because what if, it was, if it was relevant to the MCU, it would be on the app, wouldn't it? I will say, okay, yeah, I will no, no, I will agree with you there. I will agree with rights. you. But Universal has the right has the distribution right rights to it. But you're telling me that Disney isn't willing to shell out a bunch of money for a movie? Let me ask you. They've already me, shelled out a bunch of movie for other shit. Let me ask you this. Is is Spider Man are the Spider Man movies on Disney Plus? No. Are they relevant? Yes. They that, will be Sony, they sucks. will be by the end of this year. We will see what happens. No, 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 no. They've already announced it. So the uh, the plan is 
start they'll put up homecoming i think by the end of this year and then starting next year they will go any sony marvel movies starting with morbius um will <laughs> that's go, a thing that's happening will go on to netflix for like three months and then be put on disney plus from then on okay so like the 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 uh Sony movies are going to eventually wind up on and like who knows where we'll be here in like two or three years fucking Sony could be bought out. I, I don't think they will, but Sony could be bought out by Disney at that point and just for no, those movies. Nobody wants to or buy they Sony. could create a partnership just for those movies. Yeah. Because the thing about those movies um is Disney can make them or Marvel can make them but Sony ultimately has final rights as far as like edits and things like that. Yep. And the other thing is like Sony has like a weird contract with Marvel where like they have to put out a movie every X amount of years or else they lose that contract. So that's why you got Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. Yep. Too cool. Spider-Man. Hey man, apparently we're getting fucking Jamie Foxx again. So see. I'm okay. I'm cool. Jamie Foxx, Alfred Molina. He's he apparent I forget how, but he apparently spoiled it in an interview. Yeah. He said he said that uh where you see him in Spider-Man 2 where he's falling into the like Yeah, where, that's exactly where his bay. story begins. Into yeah. the canal. That's where like, it starts back up for him. Yeah. <laughs> So, Which like that's such a small thing to spoil. Like Disney yeah. shouldn't really get like our Marvel shouldn't get too super upset about that, but it's Marvel. Yeah. I I um, want I want Morbius to come out so I can figure out what the hell Michael Keaton's doing in it, because he showed Sinister up for six. Yeah, I'm you, but are, that's where they're going. Connecting it to the MCU. See, here's my problem with the Morbius movie, is <laughs> Jared Leto. Yeah, I don't that, mind Jared Leto uh, as Morbius. I, I feel like he fits the bill well for, for Morbius. I wish he, Morbius... he already looks like a vampire, so I understand. I understand, exactly. you know, like Sony and all that is involved in or Sony has the rights and all that. But I do kind of wish Marvel had the rights to Morbius. So when the Blade movie eventually comes out, we could finally get that fucking Morbius and Blade <sighs> interaction. No, oh. do not give me hope. Don't do oh, that. Don't do that. It's don't not going to happen because Sony owns the rights. Yeah, but don't look put how hard it was for them to get Spider-Man over to the MCU. You know what I want? It'll never happen in a million years. But we're getting Blade. We're getting Moon Knight. Give me Ghost Rider. Give me Daredevil. Give me Punisher. Let's get a Marvel Knights movie. Just get all. Well, the technically, big boys. technically, the Punisher Warzone and Ghost Rider. I want to say two was under the Marvel Knights. I do remember banner. that. Yeah. So, like, it's a Marvel movie, but it was, like, an offshoot. And it's literally the only two movies they put under that banner. Uh, we're supposedly getting Charlie Cox and Spider-Man. So. Yeah, because yeah, cause, um, uh, that timeline between, like, Netflix still kind of retaining some of the rights and then Marvel eventually getting to use them is now up. Yeah, they've had Daredevil back for well over a year at this point, if not longer. Yeah, because yeah, so... they pulled everything. Well, also in Daredevil... Everything. Here's where it's relevant, uh, Joe. Also in Daredevil, they show... I know they at least show a picture of the Abomination. Yeah. And talk about the events of Hulk. 
They talk about New York. They show like a newspaper of New York, like the Avengers thing on it. So, boom, relevant. Real, real quick, Daredevil is the best superhero in New York. He has that block on lock. Luke Cage, bro. Nah, man. Daredevil has a fucking handle on a de- on Hell's Kitchen. My boy, my boy nothing, Iron Fist. Nothing goes on in that, squ- in that square mileage that he talk- handles. I'm- I'm talking Iron about the com- I'm talking about the comics, not the god awful TV show. Let's get to Iron Fist. <laughs> All right, on that on that bad take, let's start wrapping this up. Yeah, uh, that's your I wasn't ta- I wasn't talking about my Marvelcation for this week. I'm Brady. I'm Joseph. I'm Cole. Have a good night. Yeah. I am. Ooh. Mm-hmm.